This portion of the Tech Night Out Live is brought to you by ReggieAshworth.com, publishers of such apps as App Delete. App Delete, you know, is the best way to remove or uninstall your apps, plugins, widgets, and so on and so forth. You don't have to worry about finding all those crazy files some apps install around your drive. App Delete does it for you. Check ReggieAshworth.com. That's ReggieAshworth.com to download your copy of App Delete. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll have the iTunes guy himself, Kirk McElhern, about a digital-to-analog converter. We'll also hear from industry analyst Stephen Baker of the NPD Group and Avram Pilch from Laptop Magazine. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> With us on the Tech Night Owl Live, we have the one, the only Kirk McElhern. There's only one of him. There's only one of me in the entire world. There might be another one in an alternate universe, but this is the only one I know of. This is like the TV show Fringe. You know, Fringe now, they've got the alternate universe, and now they're in a different timeline of an alternate universe. I, I gave up on Fringe early on, but in Lost, yeah, they had a similar thing where they were sort of, they called them, instead of flashbacks and flash forwards, they called them flash sideways, and they had them in an alternate universe as if what would have happened to them if something else had happened, but I don't know, I'm here, you're there, it's... it's okay, like, Lost basically lost me after yeah. a couple of years, it wasn't going anywhere. Fringe, I kind of like it. Now, of course, understand that some of the same creative team that was responsible for Lost... Yeah. Of course. Is responsible for Fringe. And that guy, J.J. Abrams, who was responsible for the reboot of Star Trek, you know, J.J. Abrams is also responsible for a show called Alcatraz. Now, yeah, Alcatraz is where in the 60s, rather than closing up the prison, they were all transported to the future, all the prisoners. Okay, that's the theme of this. Don't ask me to explain it. There's another one that's even crazier, which is also, by the way, J.J. Abrams, called Person of Interest. And the creator of that he's working with, the creative guy, is Jonathan Nolan, who's the brother of Christopher Nolan, mm -hmm. who did The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Superman. Rises, etc., and also is a producer of the new Superman reboot called Man of Steel. So in that one, this guy from Lost, by the way. You know, Michael Emerson, who, in my opinion, was the best actor on Lost. Michael Emerson is a great character actor. Yep. And they have Jim Caviezel, who was last seen playing Christ in a film from Mel Gibson. Anyway, here they have these powers by virtue of the computers that the Michael Emerson character design, which sees everything and points them to people who might be participants or victims of a crime. Does this make yeah, sense I, to you? I watched a couple episodes and I thought it was extremely, the concept just didn't catch me. And as, as good as Michael Emerson is, I couldn't keep watching just for him. I'm not easy for that sort of stuff. On the other hand, there's a, a pilot, and in fact, it's free on the iTunes store of a new series called Touch with yes. Kiefer Sutherland. 
Right. I have to admit, this is the most impressive pilot I've seen in years of any TV series. Now, this was also broadcast on the Fox TV network. It got great reviews. The actual show will premiere in March, and I hope they keep the concept going. Explain it. This is really good. And also, you see that Kiefer Sutherland doesn't have to just be Jack Bauer, although in a couple of scenes he gets close. You know, he does that sort of Jack Bauer, how can you describe it? When he looks one way and then looks back and then looks back the first way again, you know what I mean? That sort of, huh? type expression that he has. He's not an actor with a a, a vast palette of acting abilities. The show is all about numbers and coincidences. In many ways, it reminds you of Lost with all the number stuff that was going on. But what I found the most interesting was the scope of the show that went to different countries and different characters in, in, in Japan and Iraq. And actually, something we're starting to see more actually had people speaking in languages other than English with subtitles on the screen instead of having people with you know speaking english with like a japanese accent or whatever the sort of scope and complexity of that pilot is just way beyond what network television can usually do now let's and look at the creative force behind that it's tim kring he did for, heroes which but he did I heroes watched, of course where we had zachary quinto who's I now spock and he also did crossing jordan i never saw that i was so impressed by that pilot. I mean, I was blown away. I mean, goosebumps at the end. Even though a a little bit of the stuff was facile, the way the people just bumped into each other, it works. It starts with a situation and then there's a coincidence and and all these people somehow get connected at the end of the pilot. It's a manipulation thing. And if you you take a few steps back, you can say, well, of course, this was going to happen. But the pacing and the way it moves from one country and one character to another and all this and the way they all got together. I mean, I thought this was brilliant. They're doing something very interesting. From what I read, they're launching this show worldwide in March. You have to understand that People who are outside of the U.S., there's a huge amount of traffic of people downloading TV series outside of the U.S. Because there's people who are fans of a given series. Let's take Lost, for example. An episode's on, and of course, if you read on the internet, you're going to read what happened, and it'll be spoiled. So if you can understand the English well enough to watch it in English, you're going to download it instead of waiting a year for it to show up on your country's TV channels. It'll be interesting to see if all of the different networks in the different countries can get on bored with this and, you know, get, because the show has to be translated and either dubbed or subtitled for each country. This isn't something that can be done overnight. It's not something that's easy to do, but it'll be interesting to see because it will, for, for all of these countries, it'll make the show more valuable because in a given country, let's take France, the French network says, well, X million people have already seen it because they downloaded it. So our ad rates are going to be lower. The one hope I have about this is that Fox will give it a reasonable chance. Fox doesn't always have a good reputation about giving a genre-based show a reasonable chance to succeed. We look at Firefly, for example. Well, but then, of you, course, we wouldn't have Nathan Fillion on Castle, but there you go. If you, if you count the overseas markets and that money's going in right away instead of waiting till after the first season when the overseas markets decide whether they're going to buy it or not, that means there's definitely more money and more of a chance of it continuing. I think it's very important to realize that, that for movies and TV shows, the non-U.S. market is as big as, if not bigger than the U.S. market. So you could technically have a show that only gets a couple million viewers in the U.S., but does really well overseas. There was just an article that I saw today about 
What's that show with Mark Harmon? NCIS? NCIS. Now, understand, NCIS, let's give the history of this, okay? NCIS is based on a real agency called the Naval Criminal Investigative Service, and it covers, it's a police procedural, covering crimes involving the Navy and the Marines, okay? Right. It is a spinoff of an older TV series called JAG, which was... Yep based on the attorneys who defended crimes involving military officials, that loosely based on a movie called A Few Good Men. Okay? Right. So Definitely. we have A Few Good Men with Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. They look the for a TV variation. Right. So they come up with Jag. As Jag is aging, they come up with these characters for the Criminal Investigative Service, NCIS, which is now the number one drama in the United States, it's on for like eight or nine years. It's, Everyone uh, loves the characters. You know, Mark Harmon's a star, and they've had, you know, a lot of good performers get on there. Even Robert Wagner plays the father of one of the lead characters. Really complicated, interesting theme. That came out, by the way, the time when they were looking into the Natalie Wood murder because Robert Wagner mm-hmm. was married to Natalie Wood. It's a co-star. This portion of the Tech Night Out Live was brought to you by ReggieAshworth.com. Publishers of such apps as VidConvert. VidConvert makes it easy for you to convert audio and video files. It's as easy as drag and drop to set up VidConvert to change that file into the most popular audio or video format that will work great on your Mac, your iPhone, iPad, and other gadgets. Check ReggieAshworth.com. That's ReggieAshworth.com to download your copy of VidConvert. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We will read each and every message we get. We have Kirk McElhern. More coming on the Tech Night Owl Live. Say, wouldn't it be great if that computer keyboard sitting on your desk also worked with your iPhone? Sending a text message would be lightning fast. This is exactly the idea behind the Matthias One keyboard for iPhone and Mac. You just need to experience it once to see how incredibly fast and convenient it really is. It's also available for the PC and BlackBerry. Visit onekeyboard.com slash TNO. Once again, onekeyboard.com slash TNO. You know, we develop trust in the people we know, but we don't really know someone we can see. That's why I recommend GoToMeeting with HD Faces. It's a simple online meeting service. It's GoToMeeting by Citrix. All it takes is a webcam and a click to instantly collaborate. You can start hosting your own face-to-face online meetings today with GoToMeeting. You can try it free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. 
Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. I've been telling you about eFoods Direct for a while now. Here are my top 10 reasons to stock up on food from eFoods Direct. Number 10, the food I get from eFoods Direct tastes great. Number 9, the eFoods meals are easy to prepare. 8, eFoods Direct delivers the food right to my front door. 7, most of these meals cost less than $2. 6, with their large variety, I can eat it every day. 5, I always have access to high quality and delicious food. Number 4, eFoods products don't spoil so I never waste any food. Three, eFoods uses only safe, healthy ingredients. Number two, I have my own food supply and don't depend on the grocery store. And the number one reason I promote eFoods Direct is they build special offers just for my listeners. Folks, don't wait. Get prepared now. We all need to be self-sufficient. Call eFoods Direct at 800-409-5633 and ask for the Alex Jones special. Call eFoods Direct at 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Kirk McElhern wanted me to let him say what he wanted to say about NCIS because we're looking over American TV shows and how popular they are overseas. We're talking to Kirk McElhern, who was also yeah, my, the my iTunes point, guy, by the way. Kirk? Not the iTunes guy, yeah. My point was this. The article that I read mentioned that they get something like 20 million viewers for each episode, which is the most popular non-sporting, non-reality show in the U.S. But they pointed out that it was very slow starting out, that the viewership numbers were very low, but the numbers that they were getting overseas were relatively high. And this was able to keep the show afloat at a time when maybe the network running it would have canceled it otherwise. CBS is ruthless, by the way, about this. This is CBS. If a show doesn't come on with a good rating, even a mediocre rating, they'll kill the show. It's a shame because there have been a number of good shows in recent years that have gotten slashed. One that I watched that you probably watched too, Flash Forward. 
I thought it was quite a good show. And unfortunately, you get to the end of the first season and like the thing happens. And then obviously, you know, it's canceled. And it's but also going. it started to make less and less sense each and every episode. It had great stars, so, by the way, great actors. It had, of course, the remember the movie Shakespeare in Love? Yep. And remember who played Shakespeare? He was the yep. star of Flash Forward. Yep, exactly. You know, I think a lot of people are more hesitant now to commit to a new TV series because it's so likely that it's going to end up being canceled. Exactly, especially if it's serialized. Because if it's something like a Law and Order or a CSI where right. you may have an overall arc about the characters and their personalities, but, but they 95% of it is the crime of the week that they have to solve in one week or on a rare occasion two weeks, you always get resolution. It's right. not like, well, you start investing your time in the show and it's canceled prematurely. Yeah, it's frustrating. But I'm looking forward to this show, Touch, though. I think it's going to be hard for it to keep up as well as the as good as the pilot was. And if anyone listening hasn't seen it, get the pilot on iTunes for free. As you said, Kiefer Sutherland is different than the Kiefer Sutherland you know. But just there's just something astounding about the way this whole thing is organized. It's a very well done show. I hope they keep up the quality. I mean, Heroes started pretty good too. It and did, they but lost then the way. end of the the end of the season was just such crap. Part of the it, problem, though, is it happened during the writers' strike, and they had a strike of the scriptwriters, and so there was a period of time where they weren't producing the shows. They had to bring it back on track, and they kind of just lost their way. Yeah. They lost their rhythm. They waited yeah. too long, whatever. Speaking of rhythm, we're going to talk in a few minutes about our favorite or not-so-favorite Max. but Kirk has written a fascinating article about what we call a high-end audio product. Now, I'm one of those old-line audiophiles who used to have fairly elaborate equipment and everything, and you think now, you know, everybody listens to their music with headsets and an iPhone or something like that, but there's still a need for exotic or semi-exotic gear for your music system. And you covered one of these in a yeah, recent article. I, I wrote a brief article on my blog about a product from a company called Cambridge Audio. They're a small British company. And they have a product called the DAC Magic Plus. Now, DAC, D-A-C, stands for Digital Analog Converter. This is the chip that's in every single device that plays back music files or that even plays back music from a CD or a DVD. The quality of the DAC basically determines the quality of the sound in your stereo. Naturally, your amps and your speakers have a lot to do with it, but if you have a really bad DAC chip, it's garbage in, garbage out. I got their previous DAC, the DAC Magic, the, the basic DAC Magic a couple of years ago, and I hooked it up to my office sound system. I have a, I listen to my music through a real stereo amp and real speakers um, that are sitting on my desk, bookshelf speakers. But it's not just speakers plugged into my Mac. It goes through a real amp. And I hooked up this DAC Magic in between my Mac Mini and my speakers. And the difference in quality was just overwhelming. Let me ask you a question here. I'm going to do something which we've done in the audio business. I used to be involved with a small magazine called The Audio Critic. I was helping the editor, Peter Axel. Now, let me explain something here. At that time, one of our stocks and trade in that magazine was that when we tested 
electronic gear, we do what's called a double-blind listening test. Yep. And the reason you do a double-blind listening test is you want to determine not just whether a product is better than another, but whether it sounds different. Now, and, and you want to make sure that there's no placebo effect, that you're influenced by the shiny new product. Okay, so in this case here, as soon as you put this system in from Cambridge, is there a bypass switch that you can go back and forth and test what's going on? There's not. Um, there isn't. So basically it's like I plug this in and it seems to be a world of a difference than not plugging it in. Right, but let me tell you how I did my testing. I took the songs and, and the music that I've listened to the most, that I'm the most familiar with. So, for instance, The Grateful Dead's American Beauty. I've heard these songs hundreds of times, and I could hear the difference. And then I would then plug I, – what, what I was able to do was plug in my headphones to my Mac Mini. So, in other words, to bypass the system in that way. Okay, but, but here's the thing, just too. just a switch to flip from one to the other. Another problem. Okay. Now, because the digital analog converter may have a different output level, and it could be very subtle. You cannot match levels audibly. You have to do it by measuring the output levels to within a tenth of a decibel. The yep. reason is because loud the loud sounds better. The loud will sound better, better. Yep. but it will it won't sound louder. It'll sound better, and the one that isn't as loud will sound maybe the sounds distant yeah or hesitant you, you're you're 100 right and i am not an audiophile okay I, I, I would never consider spending hundreds of dollars for cables and and buying really expensive equipment i have a decent stereo but i've never felt the need to go beyond that but when i did take the the dac magic out of the circuit there was something missing when i put it back there's more spaciousness and detail ah uh, yes well that's because the level difference sounds like level differences to me i'll tell you what i'm going to give you a challenge okay not to denigrate what you're saying but i've been here i'll give you a challenge what you want to do is find a bypass a way to bypass the thing transparently and have another person in the room mm-hmm. switch back and forth randomly but first you're going to have to use some kind of application to measure output levels to get them in sync yeah basically you're, you're suggesting that i equip my office with a recording studio um, no 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 you can probably do this with cheap online stuff no i'm willing I'm, to grant to you that this is a possibility but given the number of reviews of this device um i'm willing to accept that i'm hearing a difference because, i tell again, you what i music that i'm familiar with right but i until they provide a real double bind listening test with that in the circuit and with that not being in the circuit, I'm going to be skeptical. Just let it's you know. Okay. You can be skeptical. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We will read each and every message we get. We'll be back in a moment on the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
When it comes to running a successful business, there are many things you have to get right. But one thing is often overlooked, and that's protecting the data that powers your business. Computers, servers, external hard drives, and even tape backups are vulnerable to failure. In the U.S. alone, over 140,000 hard drives fail each and every week. According to one study, only 7% of companies that lose their data centers for 10 days or more survive beyond the year. So I want to tell you about our friends at Mosey. The most trusted name in online backup. Give our friends at Mosey a call. They've been doing this for a long time and run the most secure, most trusted online backup service. Right now, you could save 15% by using the promo code PODCAST15. That's PODCAST15. Call 877-669-9776. That's 877-669-9776. Or visit moseypro.com. That's M-O-Z-Y pro.com. Long Range Patrol Ration Entrees. If you know survival, you know LRPs are the undisputed king of military rations. Hands down the best for your bug out bag or survival pack. To go farther, faster, and carry more food, there's nothing better than a Brick Pack LRP cold weather ration entree. Nothing. Now, the Freeze Dry Guy is offering a limited time deal on thousands of fresh LRP entrees. We're talking a menu of tasty and nutritious beef stew, chicken and rice, chili mac with beef, spaghetti and meat sauce with 20 entrees per case. These fresh 2011 LRPs are U.S. government contract overruns, perfect for long term storage. But they're going fast at freezedryguy.com. Far superior to MREs, long range patrol entrees are about a third the weight of an MRE, with about a third more meat than the finest commercial freeze dried entrees. Ask about multi case discounts and free shipping when you call 866-404-3663 today. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. Your source for survival food in an uncertain world. Powerful forces are trying to destroy your health. It's a fact that we're surrounded by a sea of environmental toxins from mercury and vaccines and dental fillings to aluminum and chemtrails to pesticides and toxic chemicals sprayed all over our food. Even nuclear radiation, which is still spewing out of Fukushima, has contaminated the water and food supply in the U.S. But there is a solution. Liquid Zeolite is an extraordinary natural formula which safely and effectively removes all kinds of toxins from the body, including capturing heavy metals, pesticides, viruses, and radioactive particles. Use liquid zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com for fatigue, headaches, digestion, memory loss, influenza, and joint pain. Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee and is available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. 100% safe, 100% amazing. Try liquid zeolite today. Do you use a CPAP breathing device to help treat sleep apnea and prevent snoring? If so, you should know big insurance companies and government regulations can affect the way you buy sleep apnea equipment. They decide what devices you receive, when you get replacement equipment, and even what you pay. Why limit the quality of your treatment? Break away from institutionalized health care and shop where you set the sleep therapy standard. Shop at CPAP.com. See what? CPAP. It stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. CPAP.com has the equipment you want in stock and ready to ship today. Visit CPAP.com to see all of your sleep apnea equipment options. Or call toll-free 1-855-SNORE-11. That's 1-855-766-7311 to speak with a friendly sleep apnea expert who will answer all of your questions. Mention this ad for free shipping. Again, that's CPAP.com. CPAP.com. CPAP. Your money, your treatment, your choice. 
You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. You see, when it comes to audio, you could really just go back and forth and never reach a conclusion, maybe like Macs and Windows. We have Kirk McElhern. So, Kirk, if you believe you have a difference in the audio, we'll go for that, okay? Okay. This um, is a very well-defined set of options here. Um, to compare different types of compressed music with uncompressed and high-resolution files and things like that. Sure. So that's something I am familiar with, and I certainly – I'll give it to you that that is the best way to do it. In any case, so Cambridge Audio came out with a new version called the DAC Magic Plus, and it has two nifty things. One is that it has a headphone jack and a volume control. The, the model that I have doesn't have this. So you can use it as a headphone amp. It's got a small preamp in it, um, and you can actually use it without even turning on your stereo if you want to listen to headphones. And the second is you can stream music by Bluetooth. Now, there's a particular protocol. Uh, I'm trying, what is it called? AX something? APTX protocol. And you can stream music from Macs, um, probably from Windows as well, using Bluetooth. Now, unfortunately, they're not they have the company told me they have no plans to put AirPlay into it, and AirPlay would make a lot more sense if you're using iTunes because then you could stream a lot more directly. And by so, the um, way, the, AirPlay is available for license. Yes, AirPlay is available sure. for license. The ISP that I have provides a router which is in two parts. One part is the actual internet router, and the other part is a player that you connect to your TV. And you can stream from the router to the player. You can stream TV because you get TV over ADSL here. And it's AirPlay compatible. So this is something that the licensing fee is probably not very expensive. So this device doesn't do AirPlay, unfortunately. It does do this Bluetooth thing, but you have to buy a separate dongle for the Bluetooth. So that itself isn't too interesting. What, what interests me is the ability to use it as a headphone amp rather than running it through a full stereo amp and plugging into my headphones. I also notice it has XLR, so this is useful for professional studios. It has XLR outputs. It has two digital inputs, which are either coax or toslink. It's got a couple of filters that can do sample rates up to 96 kilohertz. It's a pretty nifty device. Now, I have a quick question here. When capturing the sound from a Mac... How do you bypass the internal DAC? Um, every Mac sold today has a digital output in its headphone jack. So you have to get what's called a mini Toslink cable. And it looks like a headphone jack cable, but it's actually a fiber optic cable. And the fiber optic bit is at the end of the jack. So once it's plugged in, the Mac recognizes it and, pl and plays the digital output through this cable instead of an analog output. You don't need any special hardware. All you need is this cable. Um, so the, it's the, basically getting the unfiltered digital output. Exactly. Okay. And there's no volume control from the sound card. You'll get a volume control from, say, iTunes, but the sound card itself, the, the Mac's internal volume won't change the volume that's coming out through the digital output. Now, to me, it looks like almost like a preamp without any analog stages such as a tuner or something like that. Is there a place to stick a tuner in there so you can just make a complete system with this? No, you plug this into your tuner or amp afterwards. Okay, no, I'm saying I'm talking about the preamp, the intermediary before the amplifier. Okay, so it's only for digital It's only for the headphones, sources. yeah. Okay. 
All right. It's only for the headphones. It's not designed to be a preamp for anything else, no. Okay. It sounds fascinating. Color me skeptical, but it sounds fascinating. And certainly we'll want to look into this product more. And we'll insist that Kirk explore the possibility of a double blind or ABX test. An ABX test is that you don't know when listening whether X is A or B. Yep. Okay. So let's see what happens. Let's talk about the best and worst Macs. Okay. This is something which is far and away digital analog converters and everything else. The best and worst Macs. What do you consider the worst Mac you ever owned? Well, when I suggested we discuss this, my idea was what were our favorite, most favorite and least favorite Macs? Because it's fair to say that I probably haven't owned the worst Mac. Um, But I would like – I I can very easily say which are my favorites um, are the ones that I have now. Now, I guess it's kind of easy to say that, you know, the favorite – your favorite is the latest one because it's faster or whatever. But there are two very good reasons why my favorite Macs are the 13-inch MacBook Air and the current Mac Mini. The MacBook Air, which I've been using since the first one came out in 2008, so this is my second – is just brilliantly light and slim and and lithe and sexy and you know whatever you want it's it's just it's a laptop that is so light you barely notice it um, on top of that it's solid you know it's aluminum it's not plastic of course all of apple's laptops are aluminum now but you look in the pc world and you still see a lot of plastic um, but it's just the lightness, the quality of the screen and all of that. The Mac Mini is like the ideal desktop computer that makes very little noise, doesn't give off heat like the Mac Pro, and is flexible enough for most things. And, and people will say, well, you can't add another hard disk and um, you, know, you can't add more than 8 gigs of memory or whatever. And this is true, but 99% of people don't need any of that stuff. And by um, the way, as soon as more products are available with Thunderbolt, you'll have a lot more external flexibility. Exactly, yeah. And, and that's something that's kind of slow getting out of the gate. Um, but yeah, it, it'll, it'll mean that you can have anything from audio acquisition devices to much faster external hard drives to, you know, a whole bunch of different things with Thunderbolt. Now, I do have another favorite, and that was my first Mac, the PowerBook 100, which while I guess twice as heavy as the MacBook Air with only a 10-inch black and white screen um, was a very cool Mac. It was, it was Apple's first series of laptops. I think it was the 100, the 140, and the 170. And the 100 stood out from the other two because it had an external floppy drive. Now, the external floppy drive was almost as heavy as a Mac Mini, actually. It was pretty big and, and, and cumbersome, but it meant that the, the laptop was actually relatively light for that time. Um, it only had about two hours of battery life, but it was a really nice computer. It was a friendly computer compared to some of Apple's other early laptops. I tend to think in terms of unfriendly computers where Apple had a whole spade of power Macs where adding RAM was treacherous. Well, now, if you want to go to the one I hated the most of the Macs I owned, it would be the Performa 6400. The number of times I cut my hands opening that thing to either change a hard drive or change RAM or anything like that. I mean, this thing should have been, you know, declared hazardous to to the health of Mac users. Um, and, And that is that whole sort of that what would you call it that hiatus um 
that period when Apple had maybe 15 different models in their product line at once, when they had the, the sort of the performer was meant to be the home user and they had the Power Mac, which was meant for pros, and they had all these odd numbers and they were all beige and they, they were so – they were crappy for a while. Part of the problem also is they'd have – Different. This is, by the way, common in the consumer electronics industry. It wasn't just Apple, where they'd have specific models of performers for a specific dealer. So, for example, Sears would have one line and Circuit City would have another. And if you actually looked at the computers, they were virtually identical. But they had different model numbers. Worse, if you asked somebody from Apple, would you please explain to me what – the performer 6100 and 6110 or 30 CD, whatever, what the differences were, they couldn't answer it because they didn't know. And that's the same question you'd ask HP or Dell today. They're still doing it in the consumer electronics industry. Apple learned better. But they're still doing the same thing where, for example, I have a brother all-in-one printer here. It's a very good all-in-one printer. Worked quite well. It's not the best print quality, but it's fast, it's reliable, it's cheap. Really good. I saw another one with a slightly different model number that Brother is offering. So I wrote back saying, is this a later model? Maybe what I should do is trade back this one for the later model. Please explain. And I'll tell you in a moment what their answer was. You won't believe it. I'm Gene Steinberg. This is the Tech Night Out Live. We're talking to Kirk McElhern. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Remoter is your ultimate screen-sharing app for your Mac. With Remoter, you can share the screen of a Mac or any VNC-enabled machine, even Windows and Linux. You can do all this and more with Remoter, the easy way to share screens on your computer. Remoter is just $10.99, but wait. Go to store.remoterlabs.com. That's store.remoterlabs.com. Use the coupon code TNO to get 20% off. That's TNO to get 20% off. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. In the past, I've taken a lot of different vitamins, some through health food stores, some that friends recommend. Colleen talking about her experience with Super Sea Veg. And with the Super Sea Veg, I was seeing a lot better results. Super Sea Veg with Vita D and C-Cal is the most powerful dietary food supplement in the world today, and nothing else comes close. Super Sea Veg is a whole food that makes me feel good. Think of Super Sea Veg as the unvitamin. I have taken other things, and they just didn't work. This seems to work for me. And Super Sea Veg comes with a 90-day money-back guarantee. Store-bought vitamins do not have the supplement and the full, whole feeling I have from Super Sea Veg. Get 15% off your first purchase on our website, superseaveg.com. That's super, S-E-A-V-E-G.com. At checkout, enter coupon code UNVITAMIN. Or place your order at 866-SEA-VEG. That's 866-732-8344. Eating Super Sea Veg daily is eating right. 
thousands of items, 47 categories, 101 name brands. Attention all outdoor geeks now listening to this broadcast. Your outfitters of outdoor gear and electronic gadgets is WildernessGeek.com. Discover a retail superstore of emergency survival, firearms, tactical accessories, camping, boating, hunting, and search and rescue gear like the life-saving laser flares used by Coast Guard and other rescue agencies. WildernessGeek.com is your electronic supplier of two-way and shortwave radios, GPSs, marine electronics, and portable solar chargers. Plus, WildernessGeek.com has experienced emergency search and rescue service personnel to help you find what you need and learn how to use it. And the best part? Free shipping on orders of $100 or more in the continental U.S. Plus, 5% discount to all radio listeners and rescuers. Go to WildernessGeek.com. That's WildernessGeek.com, the electronic outdoor emergency survival gear superstore. Listeners, it's Jason Lewis, and now that the holidays have come and gone, it's time to get serious about our New Year's resolutions. For 2012, resolve to protect your most valuable asset, your family. Daily, we hear about all the crazy stuff happening around the world, unemployment, food shortages, natural disasters, just to name a few. For my preparation, I recommend wisefoodstorage.com. Wisefoodstorage.com offers delicious ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna and savory stroganoff that are packaged for freshness in individual metal mylar pouches and carry a 25-year shelf life. Visit wisefoodstorage.com today to request a free entree sample. And for a limited time, enter the promo code LEWIS to get no-cost shipping on any order. That's wisefoodstorage.com or call 855-FOODWISE. That's 855-366-3947 and enter promo code LEWIS for a free sample and free shipping on any order. Peace of mind, the greatest gift you can give to the the ones you love. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy from Macworld and all this other stuff he does. We were talking about the best and worst Macs, but I'm going into another consumer electronics product to show what Apple used to do. So I asked the public relations person over at Brother, okay, what's the difference between these two models? And she said, no difference. It's just a specific model number for Best Buy. Mm. Same product. Okay. This is what Apple was doing. This is what the consumer electronics industry was doing. But would you agree with me, the generation of Macs where adding memory was just downright impossible? This, this was hell. And, and I, I've just got an application open on my screen. It's, it's a free application that, that listeners can get from the Mac App Store. It's called Mac Tracker. And it lists every single Mac that's ever been released. And if you look through the number of different computers there were, the number of quadras and LCs and performers, and it's just incredible how many they were. And this, most of these were in the 90s, and particularly in the sort of mid to late 90s before Steve Jobs came back. And of course, the first iMac shipped in August 1998. And from then on, the product line got slashed to what we know now as being relatively simple. You've got a couple of laptops, you've got the iMac, you've got the Mac Pro, which may not last too long, and you've got the Mac Mini, and that's it. Inside each of these, you've got a couple different versions, but they don't have different model numbers anymore. 
Uh, whereas back in the day, you had an LC, let's see, it was an LC 520, there was an LC 475, an LC 2 with Roman numerals 2, um, an LC, which was the original one. I'm going backwards here. There were Quadra 610 and 650 and 660 AV and 630. And, you know, it was impossible to follow, not only at even, in, in any given period of time, but over a period of years to follow the evolution of the different types of, of, of Macs. Okay. Let me talk about a few of mine, okay? Go ahead. All right. The worst Mac I ever had. The PowerBook 5300 CE. Now, the PowerBook 500-5000 series were basically the same box with one having a PowerPC chip and one having the older Motorola chip. Right. If you look at the movies, Tom Cruise had that used in the movie Mission Impossible. The right. same series of PowerBooks were used in the movie Independence Day, where Jeff Goldblum saves the universe, or at least saves our planet, because he is able to take this computer, which didn't come with Wi-Fi, and communicate wirelessly to the alien computer aboard their mother's ship, take it over, and send them a computer virus. <laughs> this was had to be the most amazing computer. <laughs> this computer had psychic powers, ladies and gentlemen. I speak as the host of the Paracast, the Indeed. gold standard of paranormal radio. This computer had psychic powers. But for me, it was psychotic. I sent yeah. it back to Apple five or six times. Each time to fix this substance or this sealant or adhesive that kept leaking from the bezels of the screen. It was recalled by Apple for repairs. The person who I sold it to, knowing full well what was wrong, he sent it back one more time before he sold it off to somebody. <laughs> this was the accursed computer. It was even late to market. You know why? Apple originally was going to use a lithium-ion battery, and they had a couple of instances during the test process where the batteries would begin to smoke. So they went to a more conventional battery. The accursed PowerBook 5300 CE series. What do you think okay. of that? Yeah. And that was the one where the logo was upside down too, right? Everything was upside down on that. <laughs> no, but that was one of the first ones with the that was black with the white Apple logo. And the Apple logo was such that when you were looking at the computer and it was facing you but closed, it was in the right direction. But when it was open and someone looked at it, it was upside down. And, they, and that lasted for a few years before they figured it out. <laughs> upside down cake, folks. Yep. My favorite Mac, believe it or not, it's the current one, although I will probably upgrade it soon. I have a 27-inch iMac, mm -hmm. which I got in late 2009. So it's long in the tooth. We have to consider getting the next generation model, which will probably be out in the spring. The reason I like it is because it finally solved all my problems in a single box. Before I had a Mac Pro, big, heavy, 45-pound computer stuck under my desk. I had a big monitor, two separate items, mm. okay? Generated all sorts of heat, even though it's more power efficient. Extremely hot, yeah. Extremely hot. Not like the Power Mac G5, which, of course, had liquid cooling. And sometimes yep. the liquid cooling would leak, and yep. the computer would be toast. Okay. So I sold that very expensive computer. I sold it to somebody for $3,000 with a display. Mm -hmm. I bought an iMac, custom-equipped with a better processor, more memory, for about 2300 I then got a backup drive for 150 175 Plus shipping, I made a $500 profit. Not bad. No, I got a more powerful computer. 
The iMac is more powerful, runs cooler, quieter, looks nicer. And for my purposes, is fine. In fact, what Apple has done with the iMac, and I've looked at the 2011 model, so I know the differences, they have made that replace the need for a Mac Pro for probably 75 or 80% of the former customers. Yeah. The, the only person who really needs a Mac Pro now is someone who needs multiple internal hard drives or who needs PCI cards for like a special video card or audio acquisition or video acquisition, things like that. You used to have a Mac Pro, right? I did. Um, I got the very first Mac Pro when it came out in August 2006, and I kept it for two and a half years. It was nice. It was the first time in my life that I had the fastest Mac. And it wasn't excessively expensive when it came out. And I've loaded it up with four hard drives and a second optical drive. And just over time, I realized it was hot and it was a little bit noisy, um, much more than the, the Mac Mini. And I finally just got tired of it. It was just too big. It was in the way. And, and I, I kind of realized at that point that what I do can be much more easily done with a with a Mac Mini or an iMac or you know any all-in-one computer and external hard drives. So it was relatively it, – it was nice to have it. It was about two and a half years I kept it, um, but it was a – it was just humongous. Um, it took up too much space and it, it hummed. It, the, the noise that it made wasn't like an air noise. It was like a, a low bass hum. And that was a little bit annoying. Yeah, we got to get rid of those hums. Yeah. What I was experiencing is every time I would walk into my office. And remember, I live in Arizona in the Phoenix area. In the summer, it's 120 degrees in the shade. Yeah. I'd walk into my office and it was hot. So I had to turn up the air conditioner. If I turn up the air conditioner, everyone in the rest of the house was too cold. And the air conditioner makes more noise. And, well, even if you forget that, think of the electric bill. Of course. Now I put my hand behind the iMac, and it's currently working at fairly full steam in the sense of it's got Skype, it's got an audio application, which is capturing audio. So it's maybe 70 or 80% of the workload I'd normally put on it. That thing is perfectly cool back there. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess that is my favorite Mac until I get the next one. You know, I don't have an attachment to Macs. I know some people will think, you know, I'm being sacrilegious or something like that. Especially, you know, look, I've been attacking everyone. I attacked the high-end audio business just before. Now... Oh, you attacked me. <laughs> I attacked your golden ears. I'm just saying go ahead and do a proper test. And if it's still different, it's different. But it's no, nice I, to know. I, agree. I understand. I'm, but yeah, I think it's, as I said before, when we started this discussion, it's easy to say that your current Mac is the favorite. Um, and it's very possible that the current one will continue to be the favorite as time goes on. But as we look back, we can see that, you know, not, not only were there things like, as I said, the PowerBook 100, I still have a, a deep attachment to that. And, and the iBook with the handle. I had a gray one, a graphite one. I thought that was very cool. I thought it was a cool shape and the, the handle thing was neat. And I thought that was very cool. I really liked that for a while. Um, but, you know, they'll come out with something new and it'll maybe be a little bit better. But a lot depends on when you get a particular computer, what you've done with it and all. I, I would say that the, the first MacBook Air for me, really stood out. And again, since I've been using them for four years, the one I have is the second one. It's essentially the same as the first one. We're just about out of time. Let me just tell you one more favorite. 
Sure. 1972 Mazda RX-2 with a rotary engine. Don't ask me to explain. Kirk McElhern, where do we find more of the stuff you do? Um, well, I'm starting a new website, DodgeDart.com, to talk about classic cars. No, I'm kidding. Um, my website, McElhern.com, and Macworld, as always, where I've got plenty of things coming up in the near future. Oh, and we'll argue about digital analog converters and auto- And Dodge Darts. And Mazdas with rotary engines, and that Mazda might be giving up on the rotary engine, sad to say. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Hey, welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live. You know, folks, you may have noticed that we have new voice bumpers on the show this week, and they come to us courtesy of Charlie Macchia up in Toronto. You know, when Charlie's not writing iPhone software, he does voice work in a variety of styles. So if you like what you hear, get in touch with Charlie at charlie at brainovision.com. Charlie at brainovision.com. Or you can go to his website and check out some samples. Once again, that's brainovision.com. From the NPD group, we have Stephen Baker joining us to put a proper perspective on how things are going in the tech industry. But before I ask him about that, there's a story that came out this week noted by Gawker that the FBI has released a 1991 background check on Steve Jobs, which was undertaken because I guess they were considering him for a presidential appointment. The signature of the person who did that analysis is William Baker, He's the, or was the assistant director of the Criminal Investigative Division. No relation to Stephen Baker, right? Not that William Baker. That's actually my grandfather's and my son's name, but um, he was, neither one of them were an assistant <laughs> in the uh, government in 1991. Well, there you go. One of those strange coincidences. Well, Baker is not that unusual a name. No, no. Oh, okay. In any case, let's talk about technology, okay? The NPD group had a report about last quarter Mm -hmm. saying that the top U.S. smartphones were all made by Apple, including 
the 3GS. Is it because it's free? Is that why they keep getting it? Uh, I think that's a clear <laughs> indication that people like free. Um, you know, I think sometimes, you know, you or I, or probably even most of the people who listen to this, live in some kind of a weird bubble where we all think all the latest and greatest piece of technology is really important and really necessary to understand and to live. Most people outside of our bubble don't think like that. While they like to have something that you know satisfies their needs, it doesn't necessarily have to be the latest and greatest. Uh, they're not going to spend maybe incrementally more on something when they can get something that's the functional equivalent for a lot less money. And I think this is the kind of thing where you see um, a tech person would say, why would anybody want a 3GS? It's two ages ago. It doesn't do this or that. Um, whereas another consumer, and in fact, the vast majority of consumers would likely say $200, $300 free. Is there really a choice here? I'm going to pick the free one. And then, of course, when we get to the iPhone 4, the iPhone 4 and the iPhone 4S look the same. The 4S is faster, somewhat faster. It has Siri, but if you don't care, the iPhone 4 at $99 is fine. Um, and I can vouch for that, working with one of my uh, teenage sons who said, I don't need the latest and greatest one. Uh, I just need a phone that actually works. And, you know, he was more than happy to get the, the 4 versus the 4S. So He's a good um, son. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. Right. So the point being here is that with all the publicity that Android is doing so well, Apple's still the 10,000-pound gorilla here. Well, yes and no. I mean, you know, certainly if you're going to look item by item by item, then, you know, Apple, who has only three items in their product lineup is going to dominate on an individual item basis. You know, they do that in notebook computers. They don't have very many MacBook Pro SKUs, whereas on the Windows side, there are hundreds of different uh, SKUs that you can choose from. When you concentrate all your volume in a very few uh, SKUs, what you get is two things that Apple's really, you know, noted for. One is almost always going to lead the sales charts because all the sales are concentrated in that. And the second one is you're going to get great costs and lots and lots of economies of scale because you're not trying to customize this product for a whole bunch of different people. You get really, really long production runs. You can buy millions of widgets to make it work, and it's going to all fit in the same product, and that helps them keep their costs down. And maybe that's an argument that some of those tech companies have too many nearly identical models with different model designations. If they were a little bit more efficient, they could still meet the needs of people who need different kinds of customizations, but they wouldn't confuse the heck out of people. True enough. Um, again, though, you know, on the flip side of that, you, you can be Henry Ford, which Apple is, right? You can have any Model T you want as long as it's black. Or you can be, you know, GM today in Chevrolet and have, you know, 27 different kinds of Chevrolets that have different engines and different colors and 
little different sizes to try to segment the market and make sure that every single specific consumer has a product, maybe not specific consumer, every consumer segment has a product that meets their needs a lot more closely and helps you compete against your uh, rivals. Very different. Both of those philosophies are solid, proven strategies over 50, 75 years of consumer marketing. But if you ask somebody to explain the model lineup of Dell or HP with personal computers, they'll freak. (laughs) Seriously, let's look at the personal computer space. It looks like sales were flat or down except for Macs, but Apple calls the iPad a post-PC product. So are we in the post-PC era? Is this where it's going to go, where PC sales over the long haul are going to begin to dip more and more and people will look at the specialty mobile products like a tablet as a replacement for the most part? You know, I've been on record and I will continue to say that I don't I don't accept that kind of strategy there. I don't believe that's what's happening. Uh, there really isn't a lot of evidence that people are abandoning their computers Uh, wholesale for iPads or some other kind of tablet. What we've really done is gone from three screens to four screens. We've added a product that has some great features in the tablet that lets people do some very specific tasks um, and lets them do them very well. Um, Take some of those tasks away from the PC, absolutely. But there are many, many tasks that people do on the PC that a tablet can't necessarily compete with. And for that reason, you're going to continue to see people have a PC and a tablet. And I think as we go forward, the nice thing about the tablet market is it's adding billions of dollars of sales to the overall electronics industry, most of it at Apple today, but you know we'll see what happens in the future. Um, but it hasn't really taken away from the sales in PCs or smartphones or or necessarily even in uh, television. So why are PC sales down? Uh, You know, I think it's much easier to find uh, economic reasons as to why PC sales are, are down a little bit. Not, you know, we're not talking, if there was a wholesale move away from PCs to tablets, especially in the U.S., which is probably, you know, the first one to see some of this, we would be seeing, you know, great big double-digit declines in the consumer PC market. And in fact, that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing very small single-digit declines in the notebook space, especially once you take um, netbooks out. We're seeing increases in sales of desktop computers as consumers move pretty aggressively towards uh, Windows All-in-One, very large screen kind of products. Kind of like the iMac. Right. Sure, absolutely. Just like the iMac, except with touch. Those have proven to be very popular. So I think there are lots of other reasons to ascribe to to the slowness in the Windows PC market. And in our next segment, we'll ask Stephen Baker, well, Windows 8 coming late this year, I expect. Is that going to fuel a huge upgrade cycle, or will it be another Windows Vista? What's going to happen? Who knows, but we'll ask him anyway. 
If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We will read each and every message we get. Stephen Baker joining us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw of free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. Thousands of items, 47 categories, 101 name brands. Attention all outdoor geeks now listening to this broadcast. Your outfitters of outdoor gear and electronic gadgets is WildernessGeek.com. Discover a retail superstore of emergency survival, firearms, tactical accessories, camping, boating, hunting, and search and rescue gear like the life-saving laser flares used by Coast Guard and other rescue agencies. WildernessGeek.com is your electronic supplier of two-way and shortwave radios, GPSs, marine electronics, and portable solar chargers. Plus, WildernessGeek.com has experienced emergency search and rescue service personnel to help you find what you need and learn how to use it. And the best part? Free shipping on orders of $100 or more in the continental U.S. Plus, 5% discount to all radio listeners and rescuers. Go to WildernessGeek.com. That's WildernessGeek.com, the electronic outdoor emergency survival gear superstore. In the past, I've taken a lot of different vitamins, some through health food stores, some that friends recommend. Colleen talking about her experience with Super Sea Veg. And with the Super Sea Veg, I was seeing a lot better results. Super Sea Veg with Vita D and C Cal is the most powerful dietary food supplement in the world today, and nothing else comes close. Super Sea Veg is a whole food that makes me feel good. Think of Super Sea Veg as the unvitamin. I have taken other things, and they just didn't work. 
This seems to work for me. And Super C Veg comes with a 90-day money-back guarantee. Store-bought vitamins do not have the supplement and the full whole feeling I have from Super C Veg. Get 15% off your first purchase on our website, supercveg.com. That's super S E A V E G.com. At checkout enter coupon code UNVITAMIN or place your order at 866 C Veg. That's 866-732-8344. Eating Super C Veg daily is eating right. Welcome back to Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. With Stephen Baker of the NPD Group, we focused, of course, on how Apple was doing with regard to having just three models of the iPhone available as opposed to 27,000 droids or something. Now, in the PC space, we have seen, as you observe, a bit of a drop, but now Windows 8, coming out later this year, does Microsoft offer, or in the promise of Windows 8, something sufficient to get businesses to upgrade, or will 50% of them still use Windows XP? Well, uh, you know, certainly on the business side, we're seeing, you know, Windows XP start to really reach um, end of life. Um, there's a lot more investment going on in smaller, medium, and large enterprises and moving away from 10, 12-year-old operating systems. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for the most part, I mean, even at our company, which tends to be a little laggard in terms of our internal technology, we've been pretty aggressive over the last six to nine months in starting to move people from Windows XP to, to Windows 7. So it's happening out there. You know, is Windows 8 going to cause a huge jump in terms of sales volumes? Probably not. And Windows 7 had a very small bump, you know, on a temporary basis, mostly consumer. It took a while, and it will always, I think at this point, take a while for businesses to react and be willing to react to the new operating system. But I think what's exciting around Windows 8 is not just Windows 8, but the concept of you know bringing the Ultrabook concept and Windows 8 together, the opportunity around Windows 8 on a PC and on a tablet so that you have a unified kind of experience across both of those screens. Sure, uh, but the question is, of Windows course, 8 on ARM is also, you know, something that a lot of people find pretty interesting as well. But right, but with Windows 8 on ARM, you know, they'll have the same problem anyone would find, of course, is that, yeah, it's going to be Windows 8, but it's not going to run Windows applications on ARM well, because that's the same problem that Apple would have if you want to run a regular Mac application on ARM, it would have to be converted. True. Uh, I think you'll see uh, Microsoft you know, make some strides there to make sure that the key applications are available on both ARM and on, on Windows 8. But yeah, that's what happens. You know, for, for all the nasty things people will say about Microsoft, I think one of the things that they've done probably to their detriment has been to continue to support products and applications that, you know, went out of favor long ago. 
as you pointed out, Apple doesn't really support software or hardware that was written for Apple in 2000, whereas Microsoft clearly still is committed to supporting those kind of things. And they're not running away from that, to the most part, in Windows 8. I'm sure they'll still have the emulators and things that they've had in Windows 7. It's just a portion of the Windows 8 market that they want to focus on with a little different solution. We'll have some different software, may not be as widely available products, but especially in the software market, things are changing, you know, less sideloading of software, more and more application stores where the products are curated and vetted and made sure that they work on that specific device. And certainly that's one way for Microsoft to get around, you know, people trying to load a, a 2003 copy of WordPerfect or something on their, you know, Windows 8 with ARM product. All right. Now, when we look at Microsoft's situation in the mobile space, Windows Phone, we're still not going anywhere. How much time does Microsoft have to get together to work with Nokia to improve sales before time passes them by? I think they have as much time as they need. You know, again, you know, in tech, we tend to, I think, ascribe these artificial kind of signposts to, to what's going on in the marketplace. You know, I think when the, when the product is ready, as it is now, you know, we, we expect to start to see some momentum. You know, it's got a lot of uh, headwind. Microsoft's gone about it pretty smartly, and but very deliberately. And they don't show any signs of saying, well, we're not going to continue to do this. And given the size of the company and the resources, um, you know, I don't think there's any good reason for them to not do it and not continue to do Windows 8 on mobile because it's an important piece of the the marketplace. So sure, but with the smartphone space, with the smartphone space, they're not going anywhere. Well, we don't know that yet. Some things take time to germinate. We'll see what happens as Microsoft really starts to develop a um, unified kind of product structure between tablets and PCs and phones and brings the, um, you know, the Xbox ecosystem in with Xbox Live and Connect. You know, they have a lot of strengths, but it's going to take some time for those kind of things to play out. And I think the other thing that people, I don't want to say forget, but but don't always take into account is unlike in the PC space or the tablet space or the TV space, um, people change their phones a lot. And, you know, every cycle has an opportunity to kind of change the marketplace. So basically what happened two years ago, if I'm buying a phone today, that's inoperative. Unless I get really great experience with that phone, I'll maybe stay with it. But, you know, if I see lots of new compelling designs, and I'm not married maybe to my iPhone, I'll look around. There's that. There is a pretty good opportunity, a built-in opportunity to resell the customers every two to three years. So maybe it can happen. I guess we'll be able to sit here and talk about it as the year progresses and see where sales go. Looking at Apple, and right now Apple has the wind on their backs, where do you think Apple could mess up? Oh, that's that's a great question. Where could they mess up? Um, you know, I, I think it's hard to see in the short term anything that would, you know, where the winds would be blowing the wrong way against them. Um, 
you know, I mean, there's always a risk of a bad, you know, product launch somehow products get out that don't work right. Somebody comes out with a tremendous competitive product. Um, but I think in their core, uh, PC, tablet, phone business, you know, at least for the foreseeable future, I don't necessarily see any opportunities for them to mess up. Uh, as you put it, I think there's opportunities for other people to do great things and to be able to catch up to them or to, to gain something. But just because one guy's gaining on you doesn't mean that you failed. It may mean that they, you know, had an exceptional success. You could still be very successful. Um, I think we don't always measure success properly in in these kind of businesses. Think also the issue here is there has to be a winner, there has to be a loser. It's the rustling. <laughs> uh, you view. know, um, again, I don't, I, I, you know, that's well put. And I guess I would say there doesn't have to be a winner and a loser in everything. And if you've got 40% market share or 35% market share, you're doing pretty damn well, even if there's a guy above you who has 45% market share. We have Stephen Baker, who has 100,000% market share. He's from the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Remoter is your ultimate screen sharing app for your Mac. With Remoter, you can share the screen of a Mac or any VNC-enabled machine, even Windows and Linux. You can do all this and more with Remoter, the easy way to share screens on your computer. Remoter is just $10.99, but wait. Go to store.remoterlabs.com. That's store.remoterlabs.com. Use the coupon code TNO to get 20% off. That's TNO to get 20% off. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Long-range patrol ration entrees. If you know survival, you know LRPs are the undisputed king of military rations. Hands down the best for your bug-out bag or survival pack. To go farther, faster, and carry more food, there's nothing better than a Brick Pack LRP cold-weather ration entree. Nothing. Now, the Freeze-Dry Guy is offering a limited-time deal on thousands of fresh LRP entrees. We're talking a menu of tasty and nutritious beef stew, chicken and rice, chili mac with beef, spaghetti and meat sauce with 20 entrees per case. These fresh 2011 LRPs are U.S. government contract overruns, perfect for long-term storage. But they're going fast at FreezeDryGuy.com. Far superior to MREs, long-range patrol entrees are about a third the weight of an MRE, with about a third more meat than the finest commercial freeze-dried entrees. Ask about multi-case discounts and free shipping when you call 866-404-3663 today. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. Your source for survival food in an uncertain world.
When's the last time you had a chance to buy a ticket to paradise? Listen up for a truly once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Imagine the ultimate bug-out safe home, surrounded by incredible lush, fertile land filled with fruit trees, coffee farm, fresh air, wildlife, and gorgeous views of the Pacific Coast. And you could win it for only $200. Yes, a Costa Rican family of four is raffling off their $400,000 home for only $200 per ticket. The winner scores a 2,000-square-foot, three-bedroom, two-bath house, two-car garage with bodega. Vega, guest house, nearly three acres of fertile coffee farmland, and a 1978 diesel Toyota Land Cruiser. All for only $200 per raffle ticket. Only 2,000 tickets will be sold. Hurry, raffle ends April 30th, 2012. For complete details, visit CostaRicaRaffle.com. That's CostaRicaRaffle.com. Get your ticket to paradise today at CostaRicaRaffle.com. Do you use a CPAP breathing device to help treat sleep apnea and prevent snoring? If so, you should know big insurance companies and government regulations can affect the way you buy sleep apnea equipment. They decide what devices you receive, when you get replacement equipment, and even what you pay. Why limit the quality of your treatment? Break away from institutionalized health care and shop where you set the sleep therapy standard. Shop at CPAP.com. See what? CPAP. It stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. CPAP.com has the equipment you want in stock and ready to ship today. Visit CPAP.com to see all of your sleep apnea equipment options. Or call toll-free 1-855-SNORE-11. That's 1-855-766-7311 to speak with a friendly sleep apnea expert who will answer all of your questions. Mention this ad for free shipping. Again, that's CPAP.com. CPAP.com. CPAP. Your money, your treatment, your choice. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. With Stephen Baker of the NPD Group, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We were talking about mobile phones. We're talking about tablets. We're talking about Apple. We're talking about Microsoft. Let's segue to other things. At the Consumer Electronics Show, they were showing some new stuff with TVs, one of which is a set that's, what, 4K, which means it's got four times the pixels, twice the resolution of existing high definition. Why do we need that? That is what it would be. And, you know, everybody said, why do we need high definition? And, you know, why do we need, you know, the next generation of product? Certainly right now, there's not a lot of content for that kind of uh, screen. They're pretty expensive. But there's always people you know, who want the latest and greatest. There's lots of people who are willing to spend, you know, $10,000 for something or $15,000 may not be you or me, but there's lots of people who, you know, enough people who want those kind of things that they can be profitable, take some time to get those kind of things out into the marketplace. And I think everyone, especially on the TV side is always looking and thinking about, you know, how do we improve the resolution? How do we improve the visual experience that the consumer gets? Now, of course, there are other issues that would make it complicated. Obviously, one is bandwidth, which is, of course, 
the more bandwidth being the more <clears throat> pixels means that the cable and the satellite networks can handle fewer stations. They have to expand capacity. So DirecTV and Dish Network have to throw up more dishes to handle 4K, or maybe you offer it only for special premium shows like a special sporting event or a new movie or something. Makes sense. Um, you know, everything doesn't have to be broadly available to everyone right at the very start of that of that product's life cycle. And in fact, it probably shouldn't be. Most people aren't going to value it. To find the consumers who will value it and pay for it and be profit, make you profitable, it's fine, I think, to limit those kind of opportunities to just uh, the few who can appreciate or afford it. All right. So if it does happen or take off or they find a way to squeeze all that data down, to a point where it doesn't fill too much bandwidth, maybe it'll work. Maybe that's all. It's, it's a ways out, and you know that that level of speculation is probably beyond what what I would normally think about. Probably anybody. I mean, obviously, I would, so. <laughs> I would hope so. But 3D still is a nascent format. It's, however, moving down to cheaper sets, so you get a medium or high end flat panel TV, 3D is there, whether you use it or not. Yes, and will continue to be there. People, while they may not necessarily see a huge value in purchasing, in making 3D the primary reason that they purchase something, I think, you know, as the year goes on and as we've probably seen in the last year or so, the, the feature becomes more important than... Um, you know, maybe the content. I'm future-proofed, as we would say in technology, right? I can, if there's something that comes up that I really want to do this, I have the opportunity to, if not, you know, to some extent, given the way it's marketed, you know, I didn't necessarily pay a lot for it, so it's not necessarily an issue for me as a consumer. I still kind of think here they're going to have to perfect methods to view the 3D without the glasses, to make it really fly. That's coming. That's coming. Again, you know, I think there's not a lot of patience in the technology business, and hard things take time. You know, on small screens, there's lots of small screens that can do glasses-free 3D, but as we get to bigger screens, that's not really possible yet in, in on a cost-effective manner. And, you know, over time, that will be developed, and we'll see that become available to people. I know we had someone on the show, I think, about a year or so ago, and they're working on a technology that's several years hence. But I guess that would be the point where 3D comes everywhere. Of course, right now, we're not seeing that many 3D movies, you know, or they bring out movies they convert to 3D, hoping they will get a bigger box office because, of course, the price of admission is higher. Well, you know, content takes some time. If you're a content provider and creating something in 3D costs extra, you need to look at what the value proposition is. Can you receive that additional cost back in, you know, whatever medium you're in, whether it's increased advertising, increased subscriptions, increased movie sales, etc.? You know, that's a valid way for them to look at it. And they also look out in the market and say, you know, how many people really have 3D? So, you know, we still need to build the install base of 3D-capable devices to make it um, more cost-effective for the 
movie studios and the other content creators to want to go ahead and create 3D content. And maybe a couple of years hence, we'll be talking about the fact that everybody has 3D. Just like, for example, HDTV was an expensive luxury. And now what? For $300, you buy a decent flat panel, high definition TV set. Now you couldn't live without it. (laughs) Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Speaking of couldn't live without one, are we going to have the opportunity to have an Apple-branded TV? Um, well, you know, I'm not one to disagree with all the rumors. So, um, you know, where there's a lot of smoke, there's probably some kind of fire burning somewhere. Um, but what the um, what, what form that Apple TV is going to take, I think, and what the concept around it is, is still, I think, up in the air. Um, I just don't see what the hardware value that Apple can bring to the market would be. The products that they've been successful in in the past have been categories where they reinvented the product or brought some, you know, revolutionary kind of rethinking of existing technology into the business or you know, maybe in the case of tablets, you know, took a product that everyone expected to be $1,000 and made it $500. And I just don't, you know, you look at the TV market and, you know, the things that we've just talked about, whether it's glasses-free 3D or 4K, um, you know, those aren't necessarily ready for them to make a uh, big splash in terms of, you know, cost reduction or product availability, Um you know, taking a $6,000 technology and making it $3,000 isn't really going to change the world. And, you know, Apple isn't looking for niche businesses. They're looking for mass market, big wholesale opportunities. Um, so that kind of leaves you with them reinventing the way we get the content on the television. And clearly that's been a challenge for them. And for everyone else, there's entrenched um, entities out there that are either satisfied with the way things work today or um, are moving towards a, a new model at their own pace. And I think it's a challenge for someone like Apple to try to find what the right space is for them to be able to blow up that business, but you know, do it in a way that still lets a lot of other companies you know, make their money as well. And we have to see whether this is going to be a real product or whether Apple will just find a different way to market or deliver the Apple TV set-top box. Make that the beginning and end of it, because that is the experience. Uh, you know, it does. That's the gateway that lets you get all the content. Um, and I think, you know, maybe the point I was trying to make probably badly is, you know, the content piece and getting the content to the screen is really where there's a lot of things going on right now. Integrating it into the into a great big screen or, you know, making it part of that, um, you know, that doesn't seem to be an area that Apple can add, you know, a lot of value that the premiums or the costs that they prefer uh, to be able to, to take out, the margins that they like to get, um, it's hard to see how those would be available. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. 
The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockwoods. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. If you're taking one, two, five, or more nutritional supplements, please stop. Simplify your supplementation with BioSuperfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered BioSuperfood from BioAge.com. And now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The BioSuperfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. BioSuperfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a no-brainer. Bio Superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family. Learn more and order your Bio Superfood formulas at BioAge.com. Spelled B-I-O-A-G-E.com. BioAge.com. Or call 877-288-9116. That's 877-288-9116. BioAge. The age of advanced organics. Don't answer it. If fear strikes your heart when the phone rings, knowing it may be another bill collector, it's time for you to call Zero Debt in 90 Days. 800-477-9256. Settlements, bankruptcy, and attorneys are not the answer and may end up costing you up to 10 times more than necessary. Listen, if you're already in debt, does it make sense to get buried in another payment plan? Zero Debt in 90 Days gets you out of debt in 90 days guaranteed without a payment plan and without attorneys or going to court. Get the fastest relief from debt on the planet when you call 800-477-9256. If you have debt with the IRS, credit cards, student loans, or a foreclosure, we can help at Zero Debt in 90 Days, and we are the only organization to provide written guarantees on the results. Go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. That's ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. Or call now for free information, 800-477-9256. That's 800-477-9256. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. 
HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. So, we have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group for a few more minutes. We'll continue to discuss for a couple of more minutes about all the rumors of whether Apple's going to get into the TV space. Didn't that, though, kind of spook the companies over at the Consumer Electronics Show, we have companies like Lenovo, which makes quite decent portable computers getting into the TV business. Is that a response to what they think Apple's going to do? No, no. I think everyone, the response for everyone is that as the way consumers consume content and the way the Internet transforms how it's delivered, the uh, opportunities in just being limited to one screen, so let's say the PC, um, really kind of limit your growth over time. And you need to think about how you can integrate other screen opportunities, tablets, TVs, phones around that. And I think all the TV companies and all the computer companies, whether they've been successful or not, continue to try to think about, you know, how do they make sure that they can continue to grow. And, you know, for Lenovo, I think they're, they they see an opportunity in the smart TV business. Um, I believe that most of that's going to start out in China, but we'll, we'll see if it ends up here in the U.S. Is there possibly going to be blowback to Apple because of the furor? That's arisen from that New York Times article about the working conditions at Foxconn and other plants that Apple uses to assemble their stuff. You know, I think we'll we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, it's a little bit beyond my uh, my realm of uh, interest and expertise, but you know, I think it's a lot more of a political kind of an issue than anything else. And if everybody else is building their gear there, well. Well, look at Nokia. Nokia is now firing some of their factory employees, and they're going to move their stuff to Asia. It's been happening for a long time. Um, you know, you can certainly see the the growth in the supply chain and the reasons why all the companies end up in the same places to be able to maximize those supply chain opportunities. Um, on the other hand, you know, certainly from a parochial country perspective, we all would like to see, you know, more jobs and more manufacturing or more assembly going on in in our country as well. Um, You know, there's balance there. And I think, again, that's really up to the politicians and the trade representatives to to come to agreements there. At this point, we can just see how that plays out and whether it's just going to disappear 
from the headlines. We'll start talking more and more about the presidential campaigns, and that's where it goes. Do you think, though, that the Consumer Electronics Show indicated or heralded any major new technology? Oh, probably not. And again, I guess, you know, the, the interesting thing for me this year wasn't necessarily the CES show itself, but all the the caterwauling around it from people who said, um, especially after Microsoft announced that they weren't going to do keynotes anymore, um, that this idea that, you know, every show has to have this huge product introduction of some groundbreaking new technology. And you just kind of asked me the same question. And I guess for those of us who've been going to the, to the show for 10, 20 years, et cetera, um, that's not the only thing we go for. We go for, to see the iterations of the technology. We go to see uh, customers, suppliers, contacts, friends. Um, those kind of trade shows are more about more than just being about some great big new technological breakthrough that's happening. And to pin the success or failure on them to that one big announcement, I think, is is, um, is really selling the value proposition short. We've cut out most of the trade shows, but there's still a value, you know, maybe, maybe just me showing my age, but there's still a value in having some one-to-one contact with people and being able to interact with them face-to-face as opposed to over email or on a phone call or through a Skype call or whatever. So I think... Um, you know, the trade show still has a lot of value, regardless of whether there is some, you know, groundbreaking announcement or not. But with someone like Microsoft kind of giving up the front presence there, not doing keynotes, does that maybe cut back on some of the importance or no, who cares again, about Microsoft anymore? All the other stuff that I said that all of us in the industry use the Consumer Electronics Show for is a lot more valuable to those of us in the industry than some great big product announcement. And I actually think, you know, from my perspective, you know, I think it's a mistake, was a mistake for Microsoft to equate those two things. I think as a company that tries to lead the industry, um, sometimes there's a value in getting up and talking about your vision as to where the industry and where products are going to go, even if you don't have some kind of great big new product to talk about. Um, For those of us in the industry, again, I guess I would just say, sometimes I just want to hear what you think is going on and what your plans are and why you think you're going to be successful and why you think the industry is still going to be successful going forward. I think in Microsoft's case, I think people are jaded also because Microsoft touts the next great thing year after year. It doesn't happen. They talk about products that never come to fore or come later than they promised. I wouldn't. I don't think that's correct. I think it's got much more to do with, you know, there's a lot around Microsoft in terms of, you know, likes and dislikes and you know, I think that more drives the things you're talking about than any specific announcement. A lot of people think, you know, like to make sport of Microsoft for one reason or another. But again, you know, selling short the fact that they're one of the companies that provide the plumbing and the groundbreaking kind of stuff behind the scenes over time 
to the entire industry and you know their perspective is really really valuable whether windows 8 is coming out this year next year or in 2020 again those are the kind of companies i want to hear from all right but in what you're saying then maybe apple should not have given up participating at the mac world expo and maybe they should come to the consumer electronics show you know i think they would be great for them to come in Again, you know, they, they tend to do what they're going to do in terms of the products and the way that they approach the industry versus, you know, the way an Intel or a Microsoft or a Samsung would approach the industry. So, um, you know, they're much more about introducing big products at big events, whereas a lot of other companies don't have that kind of uh, cadence. So Apple plays its own game. Now, one of the participants at the Consumer Electronics Show was AMD. Do we even care, other than, of course, the Radeon graphics chips that a lot of products use, do we care that much about the AMD processors compared to Intel? I mean, at one time, they seemed like a really credible competitor, and it seems now that they're just kind of scraping the low end in some of the server market. Uh, They remain a competitor to, to Intel. They remain someone who powers a lot of the the computers that consumers buy and I think just by the virtue of that that they have a an important role in the industry. You know, they're not going away. The PC companies clearly believe in them and lots of them use lots and lots of products from them. Um you know, they have had their challenges over the years, but they're still here and they're still uh producing stuff that you know, it was good quality and that, um, you know, takes the industry in, in new areas and they provide, you know, an important counterbalance to the other chip companies that are out there. And one thing to mention is it's very easy because of the compatibility. If Apple decided they preferred an AMD chip, they could put that in instead of Intel. Certainly could. Could make it no difference. Stephen Baker, tell our listeners where they can check out more of the stuff that you do. Well, they can come to uh, npd.com or uh, check out our blog at npdgroupblog.com. We're always talking about interesting things, and check out our press releases and um, all the other great things we do. And they're quoted everywhere. I mean, you're like a rock star or something among industry analysts, Stephen Baker, because I read stuff quoting you all over the place. Well, thanks. Um, you know, it's nice to be quoted. I'm always good as the uh, the data that we get, and, you know, we're always grateful here that, you know, so many retailers and um, companies are willing to work with us. Stephen Baker, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, I know in the days that I was gainfully employed by other people, if I did what this Motorola senior vice president did, I'd find myself looking for a new job. And we're talking here about someone named Christy Wyatt, who, in a sense, puts the blame on Google for the lag on Android updates, which, of course, is why you can't get your updates promptly or at all on your Android-equipped phone. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine to try to sort this out and other things. So looking at the story, looking at the quote from Christy Wyatt, other than maybe endangering her job, do you think she has a point? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's trying. What she's saying is that Google prioritizes its sort of flagship um, Google Experience phones whenever it comes out with a new operating system, a new version of Android, and it gives them earlier access and better access to the code, and therefore it takes a while and becomes harder to come out with, say, an ice cream sandwich update for your full line of phones because Google has really been working to help Samsung come out with the Galaxy Nexus and not working to help even Samsung and Motorola and, you know, HTC and all the others uh, find ways to port ice cream sandwich over to all of their existing and upcoming handsets. So, you know, that's why you see this huge gap where the Samsung Galaxy Nexus was introduced in December, it came out in January, and it's still the only phone that's running Android 4.0 Ice Cream Sandwich, and there's no, um, there's obviously no timetable even for when other phones are going to see the upgrade, and, and that's embarrassing, and a lot of users are upset about it. What Ms. Wyatt is saying is, hey, don't, don't blame us, don't blame Motorola, don't blame the handset makers, blame Google, because Google has set up a system that, that has a delay built into it. You know, I think that's a problem. Now, I think that's very um, a bit daring of her to come out and, and say that. I'm not sure if her intention was to insult Google or simply to sort of come up with an excuse for why Motorola hasn't come out with any ice cream sandwich phones yet. I think it was really more the latter, and the facts are biased, right? They, uh, if what she says is true, um, that means that Google isn't doing its part uh, to help the handset makers, um, you know, come out with 
the new operating system on their phones quickly enough. Okay, so here's the situation here. There's only one phone you're telling me that uses the latest version of Android? Yep, and it's been oh, that boy. way for like six weeks now. So that's, you know, it's a significant period of time to not have uh, other phones uh, running the operating system. Now, it's hard to be too sympathetic to the to the phone vendors because there are already people coming out with ice cream sandwich ROMs uh, for phones and tablets uh, for those who've hacked or, or jailbroken their phones. So, you know, you can say that um, they're not getting the support they need from Google, but at the same time, the source code has been out there for them. Uh, they ought to be able to do something about this. But as far as the end user is concerned, the end user is at the far end of the food chain and until this stuff is resolved, there's never a guarantee that the Droid device they buy will ever get an operating system upgrade. That's true. And you also have to look at, as we said in the past, uh, what the incentive is for the vendor or the carrier to give someone an upgrade. What's their, what's their motivation? I just got your two or $300 or $100 for your phone. You signed a two-year contract with me. My relationship with you is over now in my in my mind. I gave you your phone. Uh, I you know the phone works, so why should I upgrade you? Uh, I think it it kind of comes from a mindset on the part of the carriers and on the part of the vendors of sort of treating this like a cell phone rather than treating it like a computer. Uh, but smartphones are now much more computer than phone, and users realize this, and the industry needs to adapt. And the question is here, will they adapt? And the other issue here, which is also with regard to the purchase of Motorola Mobility by Google, will the other carriers who have Android products start thinking, you know what, no matter what they say, Suddenly, I'm getting second shrift here. They're going to be first among equals. They have to be. There's no reason for them not to be. I'm going to be at the back of the food chain. There we go again, like with the updates. Back of the food chain, why do I want to stick with Android? After all, we have the patent lawsuits. We have Microsoft maybe grabbing $5 per handset anyway for real or imagined intellectual property. Maybe go to Microsoft. I think this is an, open, an opening for Microsoft. Uh, no, no question about it. Um, and I think the question going forward is going to be who is a better partner to work with, Google and Microsoft, uh, because I don't see a lot of these phone vendors trying to reinvent the wheel and, and invent other operating systems. I don't see them going out and licensing uh, other strange operating systems. I think the, I think the days for things like Symbian or um, or, or I think it's Badu operating system from Samsung or, or um, you know, the Mego uh, experiment that, that kind of failed. I think the days for another player in the phone operating system space, the smartphone operating system space, are over. So you're going to have to make a choice. And right now the choice is really Windows, for anyone who's not Apple, is Windows Phone 7 or Android. Uh, right now, Microsoft has its own issues. Microsoft is extremely limiting and controlling about what the hardware can be. Uh, you, you don't get a chance to really innovate uh, when you're using Windows Phone 7 because Microsoft 
decides exactly what processor you can use, exactly what screen, what that you can't have 4G yet. Uh, so it's very limiting working with Microsoft right now, and the ecosystem for Microsoft, the apps and such, are not are also not there. Um, now we hear that. Windows Phone 8 is going to make a big difference and there's going to be more hardware choices and there's going to be uh, you know, better support for apps and such. But I think what it comes down to for the phone vendors, the, the independent phone vendors who don't own their own ecosystem, like HTC, Samsung, uh, HTC and, and Samsung, I guess, primarily, and LG, uh, is who is the better partner? Google, Google and Microsoft. We know now that Motorola is not going to be uh, coming out with Windows Phone handsets. But I also don't think Motorola is really going to move too far to the front of the line when it comes to Android uh, because Google has been really, really clear that they don't want to be a hardware vendor. And I think that they're almost looking to spin off or get rid of the hardware division because they want they wanted those patents they wanted Motorola's intellectual property. I don't think they really are comfortable with the idea of have, making their own phones. Okay, that gets even more complicated here. So here's what happens. Google buys Motorola not to build smartphones or anything else, new razors, new droid razors. They bought them strictly for the patents they own, so they carve up the company. It sounds like one of these venture capitalists. You know, We accuse certain presidential candidates of doing that. Yeah, I mean, you know, at first they've got to hold on to them, but I, I sort of feel like this is one of those trades in baseball or basketball where, like, I want your, I want one of your players, so I've got to take the high salary player with the with a long contract to get him off your books, so so to speak. Like, I want your patents, but but I can't just have I can't just buy them. If you want my patents, you've got to take my my um, expensive and and difficult. Hardware, you know, hardware business. You know, I, I think it's 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 one of those situations where the they had to take one to get the other, and now they're going to be looking to, you know, they haven't said this officially, but just everything that they've said and done regarding the Motorola hardware really makes it sound like they're not eager to to be seen as a handset maker. They very much, I think, see themselves in the mode of the mold of Microsoft. Um, at least the way Microsoft used to be of being just the providing the, the platform operation. and letting other companies build the hardware. We have Abram Pilch from Laptop Magazine at laptopmag.com. So much more to come on the Tech Night Owl Live. Say, wouldn't it be great if that computer keyboard sitting on your desk also worked with your iPhone? Sending a text message would be lightning fast. This is exactly the idea behind the Matthias One keyboard for iPhone and Mac. You just need to experience it once to see how incredibly fast and convenient it really is. It's also available for the PC and BlackBerry. Visit onekeyboard.com slash TNO. Once again, onekeyboard.com slash TNO. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. 
the site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Warning, the unprepared may not survive the next natural disaster, terrorist attack, or economic collapse. In light of recent global unrest and natural disasters, we bring you this urgent message from David Morris, author of the acclaimed Urban Survival Course. Because this message is urgent, we won't waste time on the why you should act now. You already know why. It's the very real and growing dangers reported in the media every day. Now it's the what you must do. Go to FreeSurvivalMiniCourse.com and claim your free Urban Survival Mini Course that will prepare you for breakdowns in civil order. Today, David Morris is offering you instant access to his seven-part Urban Survival Mini Course at FreeSurvivalMiniCourse.com. You should already be at your keyboard. Enough talk. Act now while you still have time and while it's still free. FreeSurvivalMiniCourse.com FreeSurvivalMiniCourse.com Or call 877-403-7076 877-403-7076 You'll be glad you did. Powerful forces are trying to destroy your health. It's a fact that we're surrounded by a sea of environmental toxins from mercury and vaccines and dental fillings to aluminum and chemtrails to pesticides and toxic chemicals sprayed all over our food. Even nuclear radiation, which is still spewing out of Fukushima, has contaminated the water and food supply in the U.S. But there is a solution. Liquid Zeolite is an extraordinary natural formula which safely and effectively removes all kinds of toxins from the body, including capturing heavy metals, pesticides, viruses, and radioactive particles. Use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com for fatigue, headaches, digestion, memory loss, influenza, and joint pain. Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee and is available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. 100% safe, 100% amazing. Try Liquid Zeolite today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes.
We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live, and we are exploring the situation with Google acquiring Motorola. So say Google finally consummates the deal, all the papers are signed. Now Motorola Mobility is an affiliate or a subsidiary of Google. So now they want to sell off the hardware division. Who buys it without the patents? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the issue is who, who would buy it. I'm not sure that they'll be able to get rid of it right away. Perhaps they'll look to see if they can spin it off as an independent company with investors. You know, perhaps they sell it to another hardware vendor. I mean, I think as fans of the technology industry, we should hope that Motorola does well because Motorola provides some really fantastic products. And remember, Uh, by the way, for whatever you can say about it, however you criticize it, the original Razer was a pretty good phone. My wife still has one. My son has one that has to be three, four years old. And he uses it as a second phone when he comes to this country because he lives in Spain. He's got a Nokia really cheap smartphone, which, of course, is what he was able to afford at the time. But he has this Motorola Razer. When he comes here, he burns the keys with texting. And it just keeps on ticking like the old Timex watch. Listen, Motorola has made some really fantastic phones. I mean, my first cell phone was a Motorola StarTac, and that was a a really classic uh, flip phone. Based Uh, on the Star Trek communicator, ladies and gentlemen. Right. Indeed. But their smartphones are really, really good even today. We've just recently reviewed a bunch of their new Droid phones, and they're some of the best phones on the market. They may not have the top-level sales of, you know, they may not be dominating the market as much as a Samsung, but they have, they have some really great products out there. The Droid Razer Max, for example, has the longest battery life of any 4G smartphone, lasting eight and a half hours on our, on our battery test, ten and a half if you, if you mess with the brightness. Now, that's so, a good question, too, here. LTE chips use more power. So what is Motorola doing, using a larger battery or some other efficiencies? Uh, you know, I think there's some screen efficiency, but mostly it's the battery. I mean, I think the basic change between the original Razer, which came out a few months ago and only got about four and a half hours, and the Razer Max is they went, they doubled the battery up to a 3,300 milliamp battery, which only added less than a tenth of an inch of thickness and, you know, maybe less than half an ounce of weight. They managed to just pack a lot more juice. They got just much more densely... Uh, packed battery, and that was a solution. And it's a solution that I, I wish uh, more phone makers, I wish would actually carry over into the laptop world, just spend the money and get a better, higher capacity battery. There's only so far you can go in terms of power savings. Yes, we're looking for a, for a better 4G LTE radio. We're always looking for more power-efficient screens and processors. But at some point, you just got to bring the juice. Well, you know, of course, with Apple, Apple has created a design where the battery isn't easily removed. It is possible to remove it. You don't need a dealer. It's not that hard. It just means extra screws. But as a result, they've got a bigger battery that snakes along the insides of their notebooks, and they get pretty good battery life. But then that's all that's doing is throwing basically size against efficiency because it's up to the processor makers to make more efficient chips. It's up to the battery makers in the end to develop better technologies that could pack more battery life for the same size. That is true, but I also think that as users, we should demand 
better battery life from both our phones and our notebooks. And we should be willing to make the trade-off to get something a little bit thicker or spend a little bit extra in the case of the Droid Racer Max to get that additional battery life. We shouldn't settle. Uh, and unfortunately, the disadvantage of having something like a built-in battery like you have, uh, actually even in the Razer Max, and you're seeing in a lot of smartphones and a lot of notebooks is, that's all the battery life you're ever going to get because you're not going to be able to get a third-party battery. You're not going to be able to carry a spare. Maybe you can carry an external uh, charging case or something, but that's all you're, all you're ever going to get. So if you're not happy with, say, uh, the Droid 4's five and a half hours of battery life, but you know it's got a built-in battery, well, you're, you're out of luck, buddy, you know, you, you, unless you want to carry it an external charger with you, which is very clunky. So I personally would like to see more phone and notebook makers being willing to, to, you know, to step up and maybe at the risk of not being the thinnest, give us more battery life. Now, I have to Thanks. tell you, there's a rumor about the backside of the forthcoming iPad 3, whatever Apple's going to call it. And it describes, assuming the rumor's true, and remember, these rumors may show prototype case designs that don't exist or fabricated in Photoshop or something. It shows more space for the battery as if Apple's going to use a larger battery, higher capacity battery for the next iPad, partly maybe because they want to put an LTE chip in there. Instead of the 3G, it'll be 4G. But it's also up to the people who build the LTE chips to find more efficiencies. That's the reason cited by Apple for not going LTE yet on the iPhone. Well, that's true. But if you're willing to make compromises, sometimes you can get, you know, sometimes you have to just make the compromise to get what you need. If you think about 4G phones, the average 4G LTE phone has been getting, you know, four to five and a half hours of endurance, which is not very good. I mean, granted, if you're not using the phone continuously, that might last you all day. But on our test, which involves surfing the web continuously at 40% brightness, you know, five hours, that's, that's not very long. I mean, the iPhone lasts eight, nine, 10 hours on such a test. So, you know, it, what you need to do is have someone like Motorola who's willing to step up and say, you know, we want LTE to get better, but right now, today, the solution is we've got to charge people $100 more for a higher capacity battery. Or have a phone like the Galaxy Nexus, which lasts only three hours and 40 minutes, which is terrible, but you can, get, you can almost double that if you are willing to replace the removable battery with one that's thicker. Sometimes you just have to accept a little junk in the trunk to get what you want. Speaking of the droid... What is the story here about physical keyboards? Obviously, we all think of the famous Blackberries over the years with the physical keyboards. And Apple, of course, changed the paradigm with the virtual keyboard that everyone's pretty much adopted. So is the physical keyboard history as far as a smartphone, except obviously with an external Bluetooth keyboard? Well, we're starting to see uh, some... Uh, phys more physical keyboards on LTE phones. Unfortunately, people who love the physical keyboard as I do are always, you know, about six months behind uh, the curve at least in terms of the technology that's available to them. But smartphone companies are sticking with the keyboard at least 
in terms of some of the models that they're making available. They're just not giving them the latest features. Now, uh, uh, just this past week, I got to review the Droid 4. And we'll talk about the Droid 4 more in a moment with Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You are, of course, in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Long-range patrol ration entrees. If you know survival, you know LRPs are the undisputed king of military rations. Hands down the best for your bug-out bag or survival pack. To go farther, faster, and carry more food, there's nothing better than a Brick Pack LRP cold-weather ration entree. Nothing. Now, the freeze-dry guy is offering a limited-time deal on thousands of fresh LRP entrees. We're talking a menu of tasty and nutritious beef stew, chicken and rice, chili mac with beef, spaghetti and meat sauce with 20 entrees per case. These fresh 2011 LRPs are U.S. government contract overruns, perfect for long-term storage. But they're going fast at freeze-dryguy.com. Far superior to MREs, long-range patrol entrees are about a third the weight of an MRE, with about a third more meat than the finest commercial freeze-dried entrees. Ask about multi-case discounts and free shipping when you call 866-404-3663 today. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. Your source for survival food in an uncertain world. In the past, I've taken a lot of different vitamins, some through health food stores, some that friends recommend. Colleen talking about her experience with Super Sea Veg. And with the Super Sea Veg, I was seeing a lot better results. Super Sea Veg with Vita D and C Cal is the most powerful dietary food supplement in the world today, and nothing else comes close. Super Sea Veg is a whole food that makes me feel good. Think of Super Sea Veg as the unvitamin. I have taken other things, and they just didn't work. This seems to work for me. And Super Sea Veg comes with a 90-day money-back guarantee. Store-bought vitamins do not have the supplement and the full, whole feeling I have from Super Sea Veg. Get 15% off your first purchase on our website, superseaveg.com. That's super, S-E-A-V-E-G.com. At checkout, enter coupon code UNVITAMIN. Or place your order at 866-SEA-VEG. That's 866-732-8344. Eating Super Sea Veg daily is eating right. 
Do you use a CPAP breathing device to help treat sleep apnea and prevent snoring? If so, you should know big insurance companies and government regulations can affect the way you buy sleep apnea equipment. They decide what devices you receive, when you get replacement equipment, and even what you pay. Why limit the quality of your treatment? Break away from institutionalized health care and shop where you set the sleep therapy standard. Shop at CPAP.com. See what? CPAP. It stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. CPAP.com has the equipment you want in stock and ready to ship today. Visit CPAP.com to see all of your sleep apnea equipment options. Or call toll-free 1-855-SNORE-11. That's 1-855-766-7311 to speak with a friendly sleep apnea expert who will answer all of your questions mention this ad for free shipping again that's cpap.com cpap.com cpap your money your treatment your choice live with gene steinberg it's the tech night owl because you never know what's going to happen next. With Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine, we are exploring physical keyboards on smartphones. And you this week were reviewing the Droid 4. That's the one with ice cream sandwich, right? Nope, no ice cream sandwich. Oh, it doesn't have ice cream sandwich. Okay. That isn't the one with ice cream sandwich. So, therefore, it comes with ice cream it cone. Comes with, it <laughs> comes with ginger with gingerbread uh, 2.35 with some Motorola customizations on top of it. 2.35 uh, is like ancient history. It's very much modern history uh, for Android phones because unless you're the Galaxy Nexus, which is the only phone with ice cream sandwich as of today, every phone, every new phone has Android 2.35. Android 3, uh, you know, Honeycomb is for tablets only, and there's nothing higher than 2.35 except for except for Ice Cream Sandwich, which is only on one phone. So, so therefore, you're getting not the Ice Cream Sandwich, but the cone or maybe the ices. <laughs> Correct. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for uh, what comes after Ice Cream Sandwich, which I think will be Jelly Bean. Ben and but, Jerry's is going to sue. <laughs> Indeed. Well, you know, once uh, they already passed C for Chunky Monkey, but there's still room for like V for Vermonster or something. Uh, but, v for uh, Vendetta, because I can't get the latest and greatest Android OS. All right, let's talk about the Droid 4. It has a physical keyboard. It has a physical keyboard that actually has a really good tactile, tactile feel. Now, it is the second, not the first, uh, phone on the 4G LTE Verizon network. Uh, to come with a keyboard. The first was the Stratosphere, uh, which I personally own. Uh, and the Stratosphere has a lot of issues. And the Stratosphere's keyboard is nicely spaced out, but the keys are kind of flat. On the Droid 4, you've got uh, bigger but more tightly packed keys. You've got a tab key that lets you kind of tab, tab between forms when you're filling out a web form, which is nice. Uh, and you've got a dedicated number row and, and a backlight that can blind you. So it's a pretty good keyboard, and in general, uh, I, I highly recommend you know using a phone with a keyboard if if you can live with the other limitations, uh, because having the keyboard on the phone allows you to do things like type without looking, so you can you can type much more quickly. It also allows you to not cover over half of your screen with the virtual keyboard while you're trying to edit text or, or surf the web. 
And personally, I like the slider design where the keyboard slides out because it actually gives me a handle as well. So when I'm surfing the web, I pop open my slider and I hold it by the keyboard so I don't have to have my fingers covering over the screen when I'm trying to read or watch something. Now, there are some trade-offs. Because there aren't that many keyboard phones out there, and unfortunately, the industry seems to be obviously very biased in favor of touchscreens, you don't get all the latest features. While you have really fast 4G LTE service on the Droid 4, uh, you have a 1.2 gigahertz dual-core processor, uh, which is good, and you have a gig of RAM, which is, which is good. The screen is not HD like the screen you'll find on uh, several other phones like the Resound and the, and the Galaxy Nexus, but it is actually the brightest screen uh, that we've seen on the phone in a while. It actually measures on our light meter 505 lux, which is about, by comparison, much stronger than, say, the 330 or so lux that we're getting on other phones like the Galaxy Nexus. So it's extremely bright, but it's not the highest resolution. Uh, it has It is very powerful, the keyboard is good, and it has great download speed. And best of all, I was actually able to conduct a video call with it, which is the first time I personally have completed a successful video call on any Android device. So normally, we we test out Google Talk video or we test out mobile Skype or something like that, and it's an exercise in frustration because you're seeing the person on the other end or the person sees you as like a slideshow and your voice can't keep up. Now, routinely, though, FaceTime on the iPhone works okay. It works great. That's a huge gap in the Android offering is that though there are plenty of apps that claim to do video conferencing, in my experience and in the experience of everyone I know, uh, they're terrible. The performance in real life is unacceptable and, and useless. So and here's I, a situation here where a company puts a feature in a phone, and this is what Apple doesn't do. Apple will not put in features that don't work, at least at some acceptable level. They'll stick the feature in there and say, hey, we got video conferencing too, but it doesn't work. All that does is make people less inclined to want to buy that product, right? Why have the feature if you can't make it work? It is a, a real difference in, in philosophy and lifestyle, I guess, between iPhone and Android. Uh, now, those of us who are, who are geeky would say, give us the opportunity to test this technology out, and maybe we can get it to work for us. Maybe it'll start to work better in the future. Maybe it works under some circumstances and not others. Let us try it out and let the market figure out a way to make it work. The I, the iPhone, of course, and, and Apple's philosophy is we'll serve no no computer before its time. You know, we won't come out with a feature until we're absolutely sure that it operates the way we want, even if we're a year or two behind the competition as they are now with 4G. Well, we're going to have to see how that works, but do you think here that now that you've tried a smartphone that does have a decent level of keyboarding, physical keyboarding, do people care about them anymore other than former BlackBerry users? There, there are a group of us out there who, who really do like the physical keyboard. I do see a lot more people, of course, who are used to using the virtual keyboard. Um, both my mother and my wife have uh, original droids that have slide-out keyboards, and they tell me that they never, ever use them and that their next phone, they won't bother getting a keyboard uh, because they never use it. However, 
um, usability experts tell us that if you can have dedicated buttons and you don't have to look at the screen um, and cover over the screen with your fingers while you're while you're inputting the text, that's an advantage. So I think that people who really like to and need to do a lot of emailing or text messaging or, or content creation on their phones uh, will find a lot of benefit from having the physical keyboard. But part of the problem, part of the reason it's dying out is that people aren't being offered it as a viable choice. So this Droid 4 is a pretty strong choice, but still, if you want the latest and greatest, you're going to get something like the Samsung Galaxy Nexus uh, on Verizon, which has which has ice cream sandwich on it and has a faster processor. So the Droid 4 is basically entailing trade-offs. It doesn't have the higher resolution display. It doesn't have the latest and greatest Android. Why couldn't they get all of it together? They could. That's what's so frustrating. They could. But it's kind of an afterthought uh, to come out with a keyboarded phone. Uh, similarly, a few months ago when the Samsung Stratosphere came out, which was the first uh, keyboard phone with 4G LTE, it was basically a trip back in time to 2000 and 2010, to mid-2010. Uh, and I got it because I really wanted to have the keyboard and my old phone was dying. And now I'm stuck with a 2010-era phone uh, through 2013. So it looks uh, to me of, like they're taking the old designs, throwing in something to make it look new, and getting it out there to get a phone out with a keyboard. They're not investing in development to bring that keyboard, to look at the keyboard, find the best possible physical keyboard design, and get it into a new state-of-the-art phone. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's almost like some old feature that they still have to give to some people begrudgingly and so they're not going to put the effort into putting it onto uh, their best products. And, and by the way, the pricing reflects that. I mean, the Samsung Strasser when it came out was, you know, was a mid-priced phone. Now so is the Droid 4. They're not, they're not considered to be flagship super phones. They're not trying to compete for the high end. Uh, and that's really a shame. They regard the physical keyboard, I guess, as old-fashioned, retro, maybe something like that. Although some things can be said about retro. We have Avram Pilch, who's not retro, I don't think, on the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. When's the last time you had a chance to buy a ticket to paradise? Listen up for a truly once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Imagine the ultimate bug-out safe home, surrounded by incredible lush, fertile land, filled with fruit trees, coffee farm, fresh air, wildlife, and gorgeous views of the Pacific Coast. And you could win it for only $200. Yes, a Costa Rican family of four is raffling off their $400,000 home for only $200 per ticket. The winner scores a 2,000-square-foot, three-bedroom, two-bath house, two-car garage with both Bodega, guest house, nearly three acres of fertile coffee farmland, and a 1978 diesel Toyota Land Cruiser. All for only $200 per raffle ticket. Only 2,000 tickets will be sold. Hurry, raffle ends April 30th, 2012. For complete details, visit CostaRicaRaffle.com. That's CostaRicaRaffle.com. Get your ticket to paradise today at CostaRicaRaffle.com. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget, CrossbreedHolsters.com. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. You know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg.
We have Avram Pilch on the Tech Night Out Live. He's from Laptop Magazine, a magazine that is not retro. Though I don't know, sometimes having retro features in a product isn't bad. It's fun. You know, let's have a little fun. But this topic for our final segment of the show is not fun. It's all about the people who build your iPhone, your iPad, all your electronics gear. Not just Apple, but HP, but Dell. And now I guess it's going to be Nokia. Nokia is laying off 4,000 factory workers, and all that manufacturing will go to Asia. The New York Times recently had a story focusing on Apple, because they're the big gorilla here, focusing on Apple and the conditions at Foxconn, which is, I guess, what, the largest contract factory around the world? It certainly is. I mean, they have several hundred thousand employees, uh, but they're really just the tip of the iceberg. So what's the problem here? Well, the problem is that their factories, or the, the factory conditions, the labor conditions at factories in, in China in particular and other parts of the world, but really the focus of the New York Times article and a lot of the attention lately has gone to China, uh, is that the factories are, are operating like 19th century factories from the beginning of the Industrial Revolution in terms of the working conditions. So you have workers who come in, they come and live at the factory uh, where they're where they're l- lucky to share a room with five other people. Uh, they're maybe making you know 200 to 350 U.S. dollars a month. They're subjected very often to unsafe conditions where they're not given proper uh, proper protective gear when they're working with hazardous materials. They're not given training on how to use the protective gear. They're being forced to, not asked to. Uh, work, you know, 12 plus hour days every day for 30 days or more in a row. And then they're subject to abusive behavior from the supervisors who will do things like make them write up a little report after work about what they did wrong that day and read aloud to everyone and or find them the equivalent of, you know, one or two days work if they make a tiny mistake. Uh, So there's some really significant problems going on here, but Foxconn is actually one of the best, and that's what I found out when I talked to uh, Chinese labor activist Li Qiang, who runs China Labor Watch, is that Apple has gotten a lot of attention, and people are rightly uh, going after Apple because Apple is so profitable and Apple is such a big cheese in this world, but Apple actually does a better job of inspecting its factories and inspecting the supply chain. Uh, than anybody else, and they're more transparent about it than uh, competitors like Dell and HP. Apple has a PR problem because Apple is notoriously secretive, uh, difficult to deal with for journalists and activists, doesn't like to meet with people, doesn't like to talk to people. Um, But in reality, Dell and HP and and others who have been much more uh, friendly about the matter and, and, and voiced a lot more concern have actually not disclosed the violations that they found at their factories where Apple actually issues a public report saying how many violations of their ethics code or their health code they found at their factory. Now, the other question, of course, is obviously the production lines, especially for an Apple product, are very complicated because they have all this sophisticated assembly that's going on, unibodies. So they can't just tomorrow say, Foxconn, you're fired We'll go to somebody else because we have to deal with the same problems all over again, plus the time and delay of setting up the production lines again. I don't think the issue is Foxconn or not Foxconn, because Foxconn 
actually uh, in the undercover investigation that China Labor Watch did where they visited 11 different factories uh, that produced products for a wide range of electronics companies from Apple to Dell, HP, Lenovo, Toshiba, like the Nokia, the laundry list of, of companies that you've heard of, uh, they actually found that the two Foxconn uh, factories they visited had the best uh, health and safety um, conditions and some of the better uh, some of the better employment conditions. Not that they're good; they're they're still pretty bad uh, of any of any factory. So if if Apple were to say, "I'm quitting Foxconn, but I'm going to go and give all my business to say Compal or to MSI, which does a lot of uh, manufacturing." the workers there might actually be treated a lot worse. The, the fact is that Apple does have to step up and make significant demands and enforce them. Uh, but the truth is that this has to be a cooperative effort. If we want to improve the conditions at, at these factories, which we should all want because we all bear some responsibility when we buy these products, uh, and that's what protesters have been saying this week when they delivered 300,000 signatures uh, to Apple from people demanding an ethical iPhone. But I don't think that they've really articulated very well what they would do to ensure an ethical iPhone. And I think what they need to do is come up with some kind of a certification program that Apple can use and that uh, the other vendors can use to show the world that, hey, we're meeting at least this minimum standard of of worker treatment, of safety, of health, uh, you know, no one is saying that these guys all have to get minimum wage. You don't need minimum wage to live in, a, in mainland China. But I think what people are saying is we want to make sure that people aren't exposed to hazardous chemicals, uh, that they're not forced to uh, work more than 60 hours a week, which is, becomes dangerous, and that they're, and that they're not uh, used as indentured servants, which a lot of the time is a big problem because uh, they're actually charged a recruiting fee to get the job. The recruiting fee could be equivalent to several months of wages, which means you start working there, uh, and your first few months you're you're just there to pay for the privilege of working there, and you can't leave because you've got to pay that off. That basically makes you an indentured servant. This is kind of the stuff like we see here that illegal aliens brought to this country in some of these law and order shows, and they're stuck as indentured servants, in this case doing illegal acts like prostitution, to pay off the people who brought them to this country, after which they may or may not be given freedom. This is, of course, much of a lesser thing here, where it's basically they're being charged an employment fee to get the job in yep, China. But, but what's interesting about all of this is that there actually are standards in place. Everyone is, is calling for standards, but there's actually several different standards in place that are just not being enforced. Uh, Apple and most of the tech companies you've heard of belong to the EICC, uh, which is the Electronics Industry, the Electronics Industry Coalition uh, that, sets, uh, that sets the labor standards. And they have a nice document on their website at EICC.org that actually allows you to go in and take a look at um, what the standards are for labor. And they say things like, you know, work must be voluntary, workers can't work more than 60 hours a week, must be provided with all the appropriate health and safety gear, uh, etc. So these are very basic standards, and Apple and several others have already signed on to them. In addition, China has its own set of labor laws that were enacted in 2008, and all these things violate China's own labor laws. So what we're really asking for is not a new set of standards. 
people are just asking for the standards that exist to be enforced. I suppose also as the standard of living grows in a place like China, what you're going to see is more insistence on better working conditions. You know, if a worker can depend on a higher salary, maybe factories in order to get the best workers will now have to compete for them with better working conditions, or maybe they'll start a union. <laughs> well, that's, that's another big issue is unionization. At a lot of the factories, they're not being allowed to start a union. They're not being supported in, in their ability to organize, or the factories have set up something called a workers' union, but it's actually run by the factory, not by the workers, and it doesn't do anything, but they still have to pay dues. I think some of the conditions that allow this labor to take place in somewhere like China are the lax regulation environment, but we should not be part of that. Americans should not be part of that. We have to basically uh, push, and maybe our State Department pushes China to better enforce these things, and maybe not take the payoffs, which is probably one of the issues. Okay, Avram Pilch, where do we find more of your stuff? Uh, of course, you can find my weekly columns at laptopmag.com slash geek. You can follow me on Twitter at geekinchief, and you can check out all the latest mobile news at laptopmag.com. You find us, Tech Night Owl, our Twitter name, Tech Night Owl. To write us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. If you go to technightowl.com, that's our portal for cutting-edge commentaries. And we have the other radio show, The Powercast, about UFOs and things that go bump in the night at powercast.com. That's Paracast.com. Avram Pilch, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Always a pleasure. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.